Welcome to Charity Chat. I'm your host, Samuel Davies. In this episode, I speak with Seth Reynolds, System Change Principal at NPC. We speak about system strategy, what it means, how charities can develop one, and what it could mean for their organisation and the delivery of the impact that they and others are trying to make. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Work for Good. Work for Good believes everyone should be able to turn the work they do into good. Through their fundraising platform, they offer charities a way to engage and work with small businesses, including founders, owners, and sole traders who want to make an impact for charities through their sales. To find out more, please visit workforgood.co.uk. So without further ado, here is Seth Reynolds speaking with me about system strategy. Delighted to be joined by Seth Reynolds, Systems Change Principal at NPC. Seth, welcome to Charity Chats. Thanks, Sam. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. We're talking today about kind of your expertise and background and knowledge. And so I suppose the first question that we have for you really is, what is that background? Um, what, what is the work that you're doing currently at NPC? Sure. So, well, um, I mean, I've spent most of my Career in a, in a variety of uh, training and support roles within the um, uh, nonprofit um, civil society sector, various roles around sort of training and consultancy and facilitation, uh, and I've sort of more recently kind of begun to specialise in um, partnership and um, kind of collaborative working, particularly in a kind of multi-agency partnership context. I was doing that in South Africa, um, oh, wow. set, set up a, a multi-agency uh, youth finance prevention program in um in cape town um and prior to that um yeah also uh, working in the kind of the youth youth violence prevention space in latin america um in brazil and colombia and mexico um again sort of very much partnerships because i believe in partnerships and that's that that's the only way that we've you know got a chance of meeting the challenges that, that we face really and so I've kind of, and, and I've, I've studied, I, I did some sort of postgraduate study uh, around systems thinking and I've, and I've kind of brought, brought these things together, these kind of, um, uh, yeah, these sort of disciplines around systems thinking and, and, and around kind of multi-agency working into my kind of current role as principal um, systems change consultant at NPC. And what, what led you to kind of do all this international work? Have you been to these countries? Have you travelled to these like countries? <laughs> <laughs> well, no one can blame you for that. Um, I don't know. I uh, why do we follow the past that we follow? Um, I uh, love the Spanish language and uh, learned Spanish and was work kind of went went to, to, to work in um, Central America. I always get experience working in in my field, so I was mm-hmm. already working in the in the, the civil society space in the UK, particularly around youth youth stuff. And I went to Central America and um, to to sort of get some experience overseas and, and improve my Spanish and. Yeah, I sort of got the got the hook and uh, ended up working in, in various Latin American countries and um, sort of specialised. I was um, I've kind of done a lot of developed training courses and delivered training courses in Spanish uh, for civil society organisations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I sort of developed, I suppose, a bit of a niche for myself around <laughs> around that. And were there any were there any big culture shocks for you going into that environment or? Um, no, the culture shock is always worse coming back than right, it is going. Okay. Right. 
yeah because when you when you go to places and you work in those places you you know you're it's all it's all new and exciting and adventurous and so so you expect it to be you know different um yeah. and you expect working there to be different and you're 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 primed for that and and you know you're conscious of that and then when you come back uh it, it's it's different but it's familiar it's sort of the same but it feels weird so yeah i've always found reverse culture shock worse than the worse than <laughs> And that's interesting, isn't it? Because I suppose I've travelled a little bit. I haven't uh, done a lot of volunteering, but I've worked abroad and things like that. And and um, I guess, uh, yeah, as you say, it's, it's a very good point because I hadn't really thought of it like that. But when you come back to the, to, to Blighty, maybe it's, maybe it was a sense of kind of having changed yourself or having kind yes. of grown, and you know, then you come back to those friends and family and and kind of a culture that you that maybe has moved on a little bit. It's probably but not really, yeah, not that but, much, yeah, yeah exactly. not as much as you have. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And so what was it like now? So are you working solely with UK? Yeah, yeah. I've burned my passport. I've, my, my, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've used up more than my allocated carbon allowance. And uh, right. oh yeah, much, that's that's thing about the street. Very, very, very much. Uh, and I have a daughter and I'm very much UK based um now. Uh you know, NPC works um yeah with, with UK uh charity sector. So we, we don't really work internationally. And this thing about the partnership model. So obviously, you know, we've talked a lot on the podcast about, I suppose, the benefits and the need for charities or or, uh, society organizations, third sector organizations to work collaboratively and to see Mm -hmm. themselves as part of a chain, I suppose, you know, in terms of, in a lot of cases, unless you're a huge charity. And even then, I think it's probably fair to say that, you know, there are, you're only, you're only taking a little part of the the challenge of whatever your beneficiaries are facing and so is that is is that part of your kind of ethos now or part of your belief system that organizations really need to work together to deliver change and positive change for beneficiaries yeah i mean it's fundamental to my to my ethos and to to my work um and to what we're going to talk about today around Mm -hmm. system strategy i would argue that no charity in fact i have argued in things that i've written that no charity working alone will ever achieve its mission mm. no charity will achieve its mission by working alone like and so you charity you have you know you, you set your mission then you set your strategy to achieve your mission and then you design your program to, to help you deliver that strategy so and that and the the strategy is often based on erroneous assumptions that a single organization working alone can achieve its goals you know and so i mean it you know i'm a bit this is a very kind of broad brush approach like so you know that, that i'm sure there are cases in which that doesn't apply but for, a, for i would say probably for most charities if you if, you're, if charities missions are things like stop homelessness or, or kind of you know um eliminate child sexual exploitation elderly isolation or whatever it is a single organization with an, an inevitably limited pot of resource and limited reach you know will not be able to achieve that so it's not to say that they can't do things that are effective and they can't improve lives in some way. But when you start thinking about the bigger picture stuff, when you start thinking about kind of, you know, really, really um, tackling and addressing the the kind of complexity, uh, the depth of the, of the issues that we face, that's, of course, beyond the, the capacity of any single organisation. And so... You know, as you say, collaboration is challenging, partnership working is challenging, and, and we know that. So I'm not saying that there's an easy solution here, 
you know that all we have to do is kind of join hands and you know what's into the sunset like it's not it's very difficult mm. um but there isn't really an alternative i don't think and i think that we need to we just need to get a lot better at it we know it's difficult but we need to be you know we need, we need to not to stop there and go well it's very difficult why is it difficult you know well because we're not set up for it why are we not set up for it because our organizations and the systems that we've designed are built around single organizations the cultures that we have are built around single organizations you know pursuing kind of singular strategies our whole mindsets and the way our cultures are about you know the way we we approach collaboration and partnership is very much around you know it's often kind of them and us it's often like suspicion and you know borders and barriers and you know and why is that you know because it's a kind of reflection of our <laughs> territorial instinct so the, when you sort of get into like when we actually really dig into why collaboration is difficult a lot of it you know it, it does get to, to that sort of social emotional kind of level mm -hmm. and we need to sort of understand how these factors play out in 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 how we collaborate so there's a kind of that dimension to it and then there's the kind of you know the structural dimension like as i say our sector is built around single organizations each charity is responsible for themselves and their own single what happens within their four walls and that's a kind mm -hmm. of a legal obligation of course that makes it difficult to collaborate because you're you're almost kind of the sort of your legal requirements and your your sort of organizational obligations almost work against collaborating because they take mm -hmm. resource away from the way that we're set up at the moment means that it's always an add-on there's possibly conflict as well from from the charity's perspective in in collaborating with others in some cases i guess because of perception of mission creep or uh, perception of misallocation of resources and all those types of issues i suppose could come mm -hmm. into those kind of thought processes when it comes to collaboration yeah so we yeah i mean the systems and processes that we have are, aren't set up for you know this is this is why i think there's there's a role for uh processes like system strategy um which i think you know we're going to go on to talk about today because it's a way in which organizations can can sort of build that kind of outward looking collaborative kind of approach into into the sort of higher levels of, of, of decision-making, you know, in, a, in their organization. So we, we mentioned already, we're talking today about system strategy. How would you define system strategy? How is this used by charities and what benefits does it bring? So, so just to keep, just to be clear, system strategy is a concept that we developed at MPC um, during the pandemic. Actually, as a response to the pandemic, we were doing some work around kind of thinking about new models and approaches that could uh, help the sector to kind of rethink itself. Um, you know, for for the long term, just kind of taking that that pandemic pause moment to kind of think about how we work and if there are ways that we can work more effectively. And you know, taking some of those lessons um, from the pandemic, particularly around uh, you know increased collaboration. And the increased, I think, during the pandemic, there was a kind of an increased, I mean, understandably and inevitably perhaps there was an increased awareness and understanding of our interconnection. Mm -hmm. So and so we noticed like there was a lot, there was a there was a lot more kind of dialogue around collaboration, around around sort of working more systemically. The pub, the stuff that we were putting out around sort of systems thinking, systems change became suddenly very um, people were very interested in it. So, so as a, as a result of that, we developed a few sort of models and um, and ideas, and, and, and system strategy came out of that. Um, what does it mean? 
So um, in essence, it's it's a strategy that's sort of set according, you know, as much to the needs of the system rather than just to the organization. Right. So, so you know, maybe it's worth sort of zooming out to kind of pick that apart and ask kind of what do we mean by what do we, so what do we mean by system? Like for a start, like when we talk about system strategy and the needs of the system, what does that mean? And why do we, why does this word system keep appearing <laughs> in, at the moment? And, you know, and how does it apply to the work of charities? What do you understand, Sam, by the word system? Like what's the system to you? So we, we mentioned uh, homelessness is kind of one cause, a kind of broad cause that uh, a number of charities are trying to tackle in different ways. Would it be a, a kind of the system there for charities that may be working in that space would be around how people are living homeless um, on the streets of the UK or whatever area and what's led them to get there and what op- opportunities there are to rehome them or house them or whatever it is, is the kind of the solution to that mm-hmm. so problem? Is, is that the kind of yeah, idea? I mean, you, you've dived right into a, into a big old system analysis there, like looking at kind of what, so what are the sort of multiple causes around that homeless you know situation right. as opposed to so, so i suppose a systems approach to as you say to homelessness um but let me let me let me kind of zoom out a little bit and, mm-hmm. and sort of think about what we mean by 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 system i mean a system is a, and i'll come back to that point um the, the one the example that you raise um and how it applies to charities i mean when we think about when we talk about kind of systems change and systems thinking the systems bit is is understanding how the things that we do are kind of multiply connected and in, right. and, in, and dynamically connected. Mm-hmm. So so a system is a, a system is basically just a group of interconnected parts, right? So like a toaster right. is a system for heating bread. Sure. It's got a boundary which is the outside of the toaster. It's got input which is bread. It's got an output which is toast. <laughs> and it's got it's got a bunch of connected parts that make that output happen, right? So you so with systems theory basically kind of takes that idea of like of, of of systems of you know groups of interconnected parts that that share a purpose and applies that to kind of human systems to human societies it's a, it's a metaphor you know but it's a useful metaphor because it, it illustrates how you know the, the everything that in our societies and and including you know the, the problems that charities sort of work work on are you know are, are multiply and dynamically interconnected and therefore you know, as I was saying at the beginning, if you kind of take, if we understand that, then then that helps us understand why a sort of a very singular approach to to, to sort of addressing a problem, mm-hmm. you know, whether that's, and again, this is a very kind of reductive example, you know, a soup kitchen, which is sort of just doing one thing and not that anyone would ever say that's going to solve homelessness, right? But mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. E- even if it's an intervention, which is, tr- which is trying to be more preventative. So for example, you know, in the homelessness example, perhaps it's a kind of a mental health intervention mm-hmm. or perhaps it's a housing intervention, you know, mm-hmm. perhaps it's like, we're going to, we're going to sort of, you know, address homelessness by providing housing, right? Anyone who works in, this, in, in that sector will understand that that's just a small part of the picture. The problem with, with, with kind of traditional approaches to, to change in the charity sector and particularly around strategies is that they're based around the idea of single organizations achieving a particular change, mm-hmm. you know, an output through their work. So in systems terms, you know, the output, the change, the toast, the toast. you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and their work yeah. being the, the bread and the bits. Of the yeah, bread. sure, <laughs> sure. So, but, you know, like a sort of a systems approach kind of, you know, makes us, understand that we do understand that that that's not actually how change happens and if you think about your own life 
you know, and how people's lives work in general. There are multiple influences and interconnected factors that contribute to a situation and, you know, influence each other all the time. So someone becoming homeless is never, it's almost never one single thing that causes that situation and it's a number of things coming together some psychological perhaps some from childhood some some circumstantial some economic there might be addiction um that kind of thing but then of course addiction is probably also connected to psychological and to childhood and to social emotional factors so might the you know kind of economic factors so then you kind of realize that actually you can't really separate these things they're sort of you know intrinsically interconnected um, and therefore kind of trying, a, you know, a sort of sing, singular approaches, a sort of, you know, single organisation or single theme approaches are unlikely to achieve kind of lasting change. Right. Um, you know, a, supporting an individual in a situation of homelessness is, is obviously, as people who work in the sector understand, you know, likely to require support from a range of services, addiction mm-hmm. services, therapy, certainly housing, probably employment and skills you know and that's just one person right that's just one person so if you imagine a charity or social sector organization trying to work with a whole group of people all with you know these kind of multiple complex interconnected factors you know um and then actually sort of zooming out even further and trying to actually prevent homelessness in the first place yeah right (laughs) then like Ah, <laughs> then so you know, so and, and trying to kind of address this idea of root causes rather than just the symptoms. I mean, it's literally impossible for one charity to do that mm. on their own. Mm. You know, it's literally impossible for any one organization to do that on their own. It's quite difficult anyway, um, you know, because so many of the these things are, you know, caused by macro kind of social and economic forces that we which we have very little control. Yeah. Um, but but we should not say there aren't things that we can do, but but yes, yeah, so kind of addressing that whole person addressing those whole people and addressing prevention for those whole mm. that whole people is it has to require a multi-agency approach a systemic approach and so for for charities listening to this if they if they're tackling i suppose is, is it partly then kind of taking a step back and looking at your the piece of the puzzle that you're offering to solve the problem and, mm. and but also recognizing my metaphor is going to run out of steam here but the, you know that the other pieces of the puzzles there might at least need some kind of interface from you yes. um to potentially um offer support or um see the bigger picture of the puzzle but that's the kind of the, the idea is it yeah absolutely yeah you know if you can like yeah the puzzle the puzzle is a good metaphor so stick with it you know if you've got one piece you know yeah. even if you can sort of build some you know get get some collaboration coordination around the pieces around you then you've mm. at least got a bigger bigger piece of the puzzle than you previously had you know any one organization getting the full puzzle is is, is going to always going to be be difficult there's sort of two aspects to the system strategy approach and you know to to this whole sort of systems change idea. Um, firstly, is kind of understanding those the, those other bits of the puzzle, the, the range of factors and causes that affect your particular situation and how they connect to each other. So really that's kind of your like systems analysis, um, you know, understanding, you know, all of the factors that are at play around the thing that you're as many as possible around the thing that you're working uh, around or, you know, and then the second part is roles, you know, so understanding, as you say, like, What's, what what am I best placed to contribute to um, in this picture? What's, what, what should be the role of my organization? 
and 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 how can I coordinate and interface better, as you say, with those with those around me, so that we can we can kind of be more effective. And obviously, as we know, that's you know about reducing duplication, as you said earlier. It's about um, yeah, about kind of being able. If you think again, if you think about that one person, that one person in a situation of homelessness, the more those agencies can coordinate, mm. you know, then the more there's the needs that can be met. The more pieces of you know pieces of the puzzle that they'll each organization and that person will have access to and anyone who's who's been in in a, in a sort of a you know in in this in these sorts of situations whether it's homelessness or you know some other kind of situation of acute social need you know we'll often talk about how you know difficult it is to access different parts of the system like you'll go so far down one route and then the door will close on say sorry that that particular support program you had your eight weeks and so mm. bye you know uh, whereas if they were able to kind of better link to other stuff that that is available you know or they'll get mental health support but you know that they they, they also that doesn't link them to kind of housing support or they'll be told to go down an addiction route because they have an addiction but actually they need mental health support as well but that isn't the route that they're in you know so there's a there's a chronic kind of lack of integration in 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 the system and you know people who work in it and experience that, that every day and developing kind of systems and structures and processes to improve cross you know multi-agency working and coordination i think is is like is one of the biggest opportunities that the charity sector faces and it's also one of the biggest challenges because yeah like i said at the beginning we're not set up for it at the moment With so many charities facing greater challenges than they may have faced before, with rising costs of living, increased need among beneficiaries because of the pandemic and other and, and cost of living and other things, how can charities go about developing their system strategy while having the capacity to continue to respond to the needs of their beneficiaries in real time? Most charities will set a strategy of some kind. So we're not saying do anything different, right? So because because like a strategy is really fundamental in understanding kind of you know how to deploy your limited resource and that's how how we make our decisions about what programs we do so you know most strategies will charities will, will engage in some strategy setting process at some point in order to kind of make decisions about how they what they do so what we're, so what we're saying is do that and do it in a way which considers and takes account of the the broader system in which you work the extent to which and how charities do that is going to be different in each case because if you're a very small resource you know you're not necessarily going to have the time or capacity to bring together you know 25 peer organizations who work mm. in your space mm-hmm. you know nobody might you know so it may be that you you just kind of so there's a, there's a sliding scale right so so in the strat in the system strategy the sort of systems version of a strategy setting process there's there's kind of two ways it's fundamentally different it's it's about doing it when you do your kind of analysis of need at the beginning it's about taking a kind of a systems lens to that and really thinking about the those broader sort of you know that those the, the the various um causal factors that are at play and how you know you might be able to work differently to kind of and that might be about collaborating coordinating with other organizations to take account of those different factors so again with the homelessness example it might be about okay we do mental health right that's how a bit of it how can we better coordinate with those other agencies around us so yeah so there's a kind of a bit at the beginning around kind of uh, analyzing the system and then there's a bit at the end around coordinating activities 
so so ideally you've got this kind of bookended process you know in which you sort of start with your analysis you you then kind of go through to think about your own activities and you, as, mm. you know what's our role and how can we work most effectively given our resources and our assets and what we've got to bring and then again at the end there's also how do we then coordinate better with other agencies so then the extent the extent to which you can do that of course is going to be limited by resource and capacity and it might be it might be just a couple of organizations it might just be like you know the two or three that you actually know and you think you know we actually should probably work together more and we don't mm-hmm. um i mean at the very at the very like most extreme end of the scale it may not even be you may not even be able to do that so it may be that at this point you're not in a position to, to, to engage in sort of collaborations and coordination. Uh, but I think you can still take a sort of a systems view to what you do. So even if you just do it as an internal process and it's just about, you know, thinking about your organization's role, you know, like um, in, in that system and, and, you know, thinking about, because, you know, so like stra- strategy setting um, traditionally um, is, has kind of been built around this assumption of single organization achieving this mission, right? And if the starting point is, you know, um, single organization contributing most effectively to its kind of wider system, then it's it's a different, so you can still sort of take a sort of a system view, which which acts organizations, I think, to be perhaps be a bit more humble and consider their role in the system mm-hmm. while without necessarily having to kind of engage in some big coordination exercise if, if that's not within your capacity to do so. So like, you know, what, what we would say around system strategy is like, you know, do, do what you can along that spectrum and try and, and if for now it's just an internal process, try and kind of build up to something that's more collaborative, um, you know, and has more coordination sort of the next time. It's an interesting point as well, I suppose, that kind of, well, on the one hand, it's, it's charities and, and third sector organisations, whatever, voluntary groups, whatever it is, thinking more humbly but it could also be perceived I suppose maybe I'm it's just kind of king of spin here but as being part of that larger movement couldn't it It could be kind of an empowering thing I guess that process of looking and seeing being a small part of a larger broader puzzle I suppose that's generally charities that I've worked for anyway have kind of tried to make that case that you know we are part of a, a bigger thing I suppose it's, it's slightly kind of a change of tax slightly because in certainly with fundraising, I suppose a lot of the time we're thinking in terms of how do we get that that pound rather than you know the other charity making the application. But I suppose there, there's also that other benefit, isn't there, that we've talked about in the past on the, the show about uh, working in kind of consortium with other charities to actually get funders or get support in whatever way you need it, um, because there's a recognition that you're actually going to be giving them more bang for their buck. Yeah, so there's so much to pick up there, like, and we haven't got time to get into all of it, but fundraising is, so you, you talked about fundraising, um, about kind of um, the value of seeing yourself as part of a bigger whole. I mean, I hear all the time that, you know, about people's frustration that, you know, you do all this work and nothing changes, you know, and the more you kind of are feel like you're just sort of a lone actor trying to change whatever situation you're working on, you know, it, it, it's it's going to feel impossible you're going to get burnout and you're going mm. to you know the, the scale of the problem is always going to outweigh your capacity to, to 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 make some significant difference to it and so you know the more i agree the more you can kind of connect to other organizations and um and um uh see yourself as part of a bigger whole you know that should 
kind of help you to, to give you energy um to help you to sort of not feel like the kind of that, that weight is all on your shoulders i mean this is really a whole system change uh issues or go, go back to, to what i was saying at the beginning our sector isn't really set up to do this you know our sector is set up for single organizations to prove that they are the ones who are able to achieve you know x change mm -hmm. and the job of the fundraiser and of course we need because we need resources to run our projects and therefore we get resources by convincing funders that we are going to achieve x change in reality but there's you know that's a kind of a simplistic and actually <laughs> largely false um premise you know on which our entire <laughs> sector is built you know no it is it's like this idea that so you write a proposal the proposal says here's the problem here's a solution here's how our pro pro you know project will will produce x change in a way which is predictable and knowable so right so here's our three-year plan and here's our milestones and the kpis and these are the outcomes that we'll achieve in that time and then when we get to the end of it we have to prove to you that all of those things happened and and, and a lot of that is built on an assumption that we know is 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 false it's not to say that you can't have a good stab at like what might happen but it, it won't ever pan out in the way that you think it it is going to and the whole the whole premise around it this kind of idea that you know we can predict the future and and you should give us money based on those predictions and then our the job of our m e people is to is to kind of demonstrate you know there's a sort of a game that we play and we know anyone who works in the sector knows that it's a bit of a game and it's not really reflective of reality you know and so we know that and I know you've talked to Rosie and she's talked to uh, our, our um, data and learning um, associate director and she talked about this idea of contribution, not attribution. The mm. idea that we, you know, we should be sort of talking about how we can contribute to change rather than claiming credit for the change. But the, the way the funding works still is a bit behind that. Like, you know, the way that our, and, and, and so, you know, fundraisers, of course, they're in the, they're in the business of, of, of saying, look, we, you know, pr proving how what we did you know, saying to, to, to funders, you know, give us your money because we can, we'll do, we will be the ones to produce exchange, saying we will contribute humbly according to our role in the system, you know, is less of a compelling, you know. <laughs> um, well, yeah, rate. and I guess, I mean, I suppose, I hope, I hope that that's changing. I'm a bit of an optimist at heart, I suppose, but I know, you know, we spoke to um, Alex Blake and a few others in the past. Um, about certainly from a, a trust and foundation uh, funder point of view, that there seems to be um, uh, increased sentiment among funders, uh, trust and foundation, especially larger ones, of <clears throat> putting an, an onus um, on collaboration, on consortium approaches for funds and things like that, which I think that sounds like the step in the right direction to kind of what you're talking about, to, I suppose, encourage charities or give them the, the space to actually step back and, and join with you know other parts of the the chain to right. actually deliver real change. I agree. I, I absolutely agree. I mean, we see all the time. It's definitely changing. Change is slow um, because mm. we're talking about a whole a whole sector and how it's developed over over you know decades, decades, centuries. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely, things are changing, and, and there's growing uh, awareness um, of, of the challenges of kind of the traditional way of, of thinking about about change processes and uh, and how funding the role of funding in that. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you, and I, and I and I guess the system strategy idea is is another contribution to that whole system. And just to kind of pull it pull it back to that, the system strategy is is is, a, is another part of that puzzle. You know, it's 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 it, so because as as at the beginning, so much of how we set our priorities as organizations is, is, is according to our strategy. Mm. And 
And strangely, that, that, that's, that, that's an area in which this, this whole consciousness around more collaborative ways of working and, you know, con- the idea of contribution, not attribution, the idea of, so, is it hasn't really yet permeated. We still set strategies in quite a traditional way mm-hmm. based on this idea of, you know, sort of single, singular kind of organization, you know, organizational goal accomplishment, right? And, you know, w- when you set your strategy, you kind of might think about other organizations being like helps or, you know, the swap, the classic swap thing, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah. opportunities and threats. And so you look outside. I'm not Ms. Swat's a bit kind of passe, but like that that kind of idea still, you know, is very much present in how we set strategies. Think about your environment as, you know, where the allies, where that potential helps and hindrances to hindrances or opportunities and threats to, to, to me achieving our organization, achieving our goals, right? So other organizations are often seen in that, in that through that lens of like, mm. whereas uh, if you take a systems approach and you just see your agency as just one part of a complex system. It, it, you know, as opposed to the 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 hero story, the protagonist that is kind of you know moving towards its goal, it kind of changes the way you approach that strategy. And then the last thing I say is, you know, even though collaborations are increasing and partnership working is increasing, it's one of the biggest trends in the sector. It often happens at a, it's often a, a program, an opportunistic level where within a particular program, right? So you've mm-hmm. got an organization will have a bunch of its, you know, programs, activities, and then some of those might be, you know, involve some sort of collaboration. Right? So, so it tends to happen at that level where there is opportunity and there's resource. So what we need to do is bring it further up that organizational decision-making tree, right? So embed it so that you know, is part of all of the, everything that we do. And it's not just a kind of opportunistic add-on, like often a collaboration and a partnership working is an opportunistic add-on to, within a particular program. It's not, you know, so obviously the kind of, the organizational decision-making tree goes like mission, vision. Then after that, you've got your strategy. Then after that, you've got your activities through your project programs, whatever. And so it's at that bottom level at the moment in which most sort of collaboration tends to emerge, but it's not baked into the organization strategy. Therefore, it may not have sufficient resource. You know, it might be difficult for some organizations to, to, to have the capacity to do it. So the more we can kind of bring it further up that, that decision-making tree and embed it into how the organization kind of thinks and operates, the more easier it will be at a program level to, to then, in fact, actually it will be required at a program level to kind of find ways of to, to do that. That's why I think sort of system strategy is, is, is really, really an important part of this picture. How widely known is system strategies we've been talking about and how is it being employed by charities here and elsewhere and is that gaining more traction are you seeing more traction among charities um, as they're seeking to do more with less it's not about doing more with less it's about doing what we do more effectively necessarily i don't i don't think that anyone's going to tell you that well it's tricky i mean collaboration can help you do more with less particularly in a crisis where no one's got anything then you have to kind of work together yeah. um it often t- tends to happen there or it happens when people have got a lot of spare capacity it's the middle bit where it's kind of challenging i guess this is where i'm coming from is we need to make it the norm as right. opposed to just uh, as a response to a particular economic uh, circumstance whether that's sure, got sure. lots of capacity or no capacity mm. um is it happening how widely is it happening um i mean what i would say is that we are definitely seeing more and more 
use of an interest in sort of systemic approaches, be that systems mapping, we, we, we get asked to, to, to support with that a lot, other kinds of ways of analysing a system and understanding the, the different roles that one might have, understanding who the stakeholders are, mapping different actors in a system. So there's that big trend. There's a big trend in the sector towards, as we talked about, collaborative working, partnership working, more preventative approaches. So what system strategy is trying to do is to bring these kind of approaches, you know, these trends into how we set strategy. Mm. How much are we seeing? On, well, like I said at the beginning, this is a kind of concept that we developed at MPC. So in this form, no, I mean, we're not, it's definitely kind of an emerging field. Um, I did come across some organisations um, um, in my research doing shared setting shared strategy there was a very clear sense of uh, shared shared purpose but also a clear sense of, of, of different contribution to that purpose there's a great example that I came across um, eight museums in Cambridge Cambridge museums got together and set, set a shared strategy and you know they said that even that was quite was quite challenging mm -hmm. because it enabled them to then you know have a kind of a shared approach to communications to, to, to publicity enabled them to coordinate better in, in their sector they were obviously you know eight physically different institutions so there was quite clear where the where the separation was and they shared a very common aim of increasing kind of museum participation and, and visit you know visits in, in in the city and so it made sense but but honestly it's been difficult to find examples of charities working together to set shared strategy in this country mm. i'll finish this point there are models and there's uh, there's a model called collective impact in, in the u.s which is which is developed a huge amount of traction in which organizations set it come together around shared challenges be that youth unemployment or you know could be a kind of river cleanup or or kind of a, you know an arts and culture um, you know it could be arts and culture in a, in a, within a city but you know a sort of yeah organizations which have a clear shared um agenda then from that shared agenda then set a kind of um shared program of, of action around that um i.e shared strategy or a system strategy um and that sort of um collective impact is as is a sort of a framework for multi-agency collaborations which has really took off and provides a bit of a kind of how-to there's a bit of like here are the basic conditions, here's how you do it. There's a big community of practice around it. There's a big forum. What we're lacking in the UK is something similar that allows, you know, that, that brings together these sorts of approaches into mm -hmm. one space. You hear a lot about place-based working, you hear about multi-agency partnerships, you hear about these different approaches, but, you know, we don't have a sort of a really kind of cohesive movement around um, around these sorts of you know multi multi agency approaches in the way that they do in the US, and that's enabled them to develop a lot more you know to develop these sorts of processes and structures and share them and sort of you know learn from each other around that. And I think that's really what we need. Um, we need to, to kind of build a movement around this way of working in the UK. And where do you think this movement starts? Is it with the CEOs of organisations or their boards or both or is it with an uh, external organization to come in and actually start to invite um, kind of board, different boards and different CEOs to the table to talk through, you know, the shared challenges that they're facing and, and ways of working together? Interestingly, interestingly, I think it's probably most difficult for, for CEOs and the CEOs are the ones who are, who are primarily and sort of legally concerned with their own, you know, organ what in their own fault sure. and quite rightly. You know, so I think it's often really difficult for CEOs and say there aren't kind of CEOs that, that do make this kind of work part 
you know work um, part of their business but but I think it is I think it's difficult for them in the US collective impact really started by those kind of yeah, there's external agents so um, there's actually a bunch of academics that studied what made multi-agency working uh, partnerships effective and effective, <laughs> condensed it into a kind of bit of a how-to guide right. um and 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 that really galvanized people were, oh okay you know there was actually it was the movement was really um i think catalyzed by some big funders mm. and so that always helps like i think getting big funders to say we should be doing this will get people's attention um and and, and you know in the us they have you know they have very very large philanthropic institutions which are able to kind of convene um and really build movements which you know perhaps is more difficult over here but i think that um i think that the movement i think funders play a critical role because you know really in reality you know they set the parameters for what happened you know how resources flow and how resources are used obviously is such a critical part of any system and and, and that really sets the parameters for what happens in the system. So, as you said, you know, the more funders get on board with the idea of contribution, not attribution, of collaborative ways of working, the more you know that will encourage and, and make it possible for you know charities to do it, who probably you know want to a lot more than they can. You know, imagine if every grant had a twenty-five percent budget line for collaboration. Yeah. Imagine if funders, you know, I mean, you know, like in um, you know, ten years ago, how long? You know, it became a lot more common for, for for grants to include, you know, kind of line for core costs and percentage of core costs and even for monitoring and evaluation. You know, imagine if there were each grant came with a, an expectation and a, and a resource to allow for, OK, you've got this project. How are you going to with this project? How are you going to work with others? Here's some resource to do it. You know. And is that do you think that could work as a model that, you know, the, the kind of kind of toe in the water um i suppose of of going in with other organizations on a a specific project and then using that success hopefully yeah. as a encouragement to to actually look at a more kind of strategic collaboration yeah totally toe in the water is a good more good metaphors i mean i think you know it we're learning about it there's new ways of working we're learning how to do it we need to put our toes in the water. You know, collective impact is a good framework for multi-agency working. There are probably others. If, if we want, if we want this sort of more joined-up approaches to become the norm, we need to do lots of different models, um, and we need to practice. You know, so yeah, toe in the water, practice. And I would say, not even necessarily to use your out, your impact, your outcomes as proof that it works. I think it's more that we have to just. We know that it's necessary. We, we can kind of carry on on that assumption. We also know that it's difficult and we're learning about how to do it. So expecting, you know, your sort of early collaborations to produce X, Y, Z outcome that might be better than your previous outcome, that might not be the answer. It might be just that we have to kind of accept that it's difficult, it takes a resource and we're learning because we know that ultimately to address the kind of complexity of the problems that we face, there's no other way like we have to we have to figure it out and we have to practice and you know we have to find new processes and things like system strategy and what's the funder's role we have to develop our own skills around working outside of our organization perhaps work on some of our own like you know <laughs> the things that hold us back trust suspicion you know division all these things that hold othering you know that organization oh they always take all the money or they i don't like their methodology or their ceos you know this or that you know all this kind of thing which gets in the way like kind of work on all those things as well seth reynolds thank you for contributing to charity chats
Thanks, Sam. It's been, it's been very interesting. Pleasure. big thank you to Seth Reynolds for sharing his knowledge and expertise with us here on Charity Chats. For most of us, our experience of defining our organisational strategies has been to look at the problem our organisation is seeking to tackle, our charitable objects or objectives, and then build and maintain our organisation to achieve this. Seth's point is that this isn't enough in most, if not all cases, to tackle the totality of an issue of any issue in fact, no matter how big the organisation is. Taking a systems view of the challenge that your organisation is seeking to overcome or deal with can be done even if you're not in a position to collaborate at the moment. Similarly, trialling collaborative projects might be a good way for your organisation to test the waters and begin to develop an expertise in collaboration with other organisations seeking to achieve a shared goal. For so many of us, there are times where we and our charities seem to be struggling on alone against a mighty challenge, maybe an insurmountable challenge, and this can be quite demoralising at times. What if there are others out there who we could find common ground with to affect greater change? Charities should not see collaboration as an opportunistic add-on to seek out new funding while maintaining their existing course of action. They should be baking this into their organisation's strategies. Charities should be giving resource to this and building this into their budgets. Also, this is an emerging model and needs time to be tested, adapted and grown within organisations. It might require a level of patience and even a leap of faith among boards, CEOs and senior leadership teams. But what could it achieve? Well, could the charity fundraising landscape look different if we sought out a more common ground and devise collaborative project approaches or a value chain approach to tackling the wider issues affecting or causing the need that our charity seeks to address? Could we similarly focus greater funding um, from funders who are clearer on the bigger picture challenges rather than the micro part of that challenge that we are in our organisations are seeking to address? Where does the responsibility then lie to bring collaboration between civil society organisations or charities out. Well, funders have a substantial amount of power, as Seth said, to encourage this process and even to require it, as do organisations perhaps that are already leading on coordinating other organisations for campaigning and other project work. Finally, I would say that my own perspective on what Seth had to say is that it simply isn't enough for our organisations to exist and do our bit of the job well. We all have a responsibility to contribute to the wider world of support for our beneficiary groups and indeed the wider world. If we genuinely want to be part of a progressive change in society, then system strategy sounds like a good solution to me. So thank you, dear listener, for getting this far with us. We hope you enjoyed this pod- this episode of the podcast and continue to enjoy the podcast. We'd love to hear from you either way. It's just left for me to thank our corporate sponsors. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Work for Good. Work for Good believes everyone should be able to turn the work they do into good through their fundraising platform. They offer charities a way to engage and work with small businesses, including founders, owners, and sole traders who want to make an impact for charities through their sales. To find out more, please visit workforgood.co.uk. 
Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast, Kit Magda Axmit for our beautiful website. Check it out at charitychat.org.uk. And of course, Forrester Fools for playing throughout the show and for playing us out right now. That's it from me. Keep on doing what you can. Speak to you soon. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.